0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Haunted Picture Palace. I am one of your hosts, and that host's name is Amelia. This host's name is Ben. Whatcha? Ben is from 1949. <laughs> and we're here today to speak to you about Sleepy Hollow of 1999
1: fame. Yes, so some years in my future.
0: Yes, a Tim Burton Offering, finally, are having... <laughs> Cacked my kegs about Tim Burton all the way through the podcast so far. Finally, we get to see something by the actual man of the hour. So, welcome, welcome. Any thoughts before we properly begin? Ah, uh, tough. Ah, uh, you don't get to speak apparently because oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do a couple of little trigger warnings. One is that there's 18 decapitations in this film.
1: 18. 18. Wow. So, if you're
0: not into that, <laughs> you're bang out of luck, buddy. Two Fair. is flashing lights because every time the horseman appears there is also lightning and for a big section of the film horseman's there all the time so if you suffer from seizures
1: oh yeah, which be is careful. not funny,
0: I did laugh but be careful <laughs> Be careful Anything you'd like to say before we crack on?
1: It's just to set the scene it's an adaptation of the Washington Irving mm-hmm. short story The Legend of Sleepy Hollow that was first published in Eighteen
0: nineteen, interesting.
1: It doesn't share an awful lot that this film doesn't share an awful lot with the story, mm. apart from the names and the setting. But we'll we'll get into that later on. It's the most famous adaptation, I think, of the story. Although it was adapted by Disney in. About 1949. Then. Yes, I think it was. Yes, uh, the, the year that I am from today, <laughs> in, a, a, in a strange doubleheader with an adaptation of The Wind in the Willows, uh, narrated by Bing Crosby.
0: Yes. And Basil Rathbone.
1: Sherlock Holmes himself.
0: Yes, indeed. Who is kind of inextricably tied in with all of uh, the films that we're covering tonight because of the influences on Tim Burton to make a film like this. Indeed. One of the influences on Tim Burton and Johnny Depp in sleepy hollow was basil rathbone's sherlock holmes
1: which i can see definitely
0: yes lots of tying in tying in everywhere in my reading about sleepy hollow prior to washington irving Mm -hmm. it seems to be that lots and lots of different states in america have a legend of a headless horseman that they've had that predates that 1819 which is why i said it was interesting there's the idea that it stems. Further back as a folkloric tale that was taken across the water, in fact.
1: Right. When yeah. they
0: very first landed.
1: It makes sense.
0: Although yeah. I don't know of many from here. So that surprises me.
1: No, but I suppose it might be connected to the terrain and the expanse of America than the therefore horsemanship I suppose is more important in these Settler communities.
0: That's interesting.
1: It's just a guess, I don't know.
0: Well, he's also a fallen soldier, so I imagine that's got something to do with it as well.
1: The horseman, yeah. Yes,
0: well, a fallen soldier, but particularly a skilled fighter. Mm. So, may have a different standing there. But it's interesting. I, and we're in
1: New England again it seems. We
0: are is, in New England again. So yes. <laughs> I know we
1: have listeners in America cuz I get, you know, I look at the stats. Stats. So if any of you are anywhere in that area of the world and there is some kind of a reason that all of these American horror films or spooky films end up being set in your corner of the states. Yes. Please let us know cuz I'm at a loss.
0: <laughs> My assumption <laughs> is that that's where most the predominant number of which trial records are held. Hmm. And so it's associated. And so we have this history of the macabre and the frightening from a particular place and therefore it's always associated. But I might sure. be talking out my bum, it might be the weather.
1: You know. <laughs> well, and it's it could a bit be. creepier there. The only thing I thought of, of course, is that was the bit that was settled first. So oh, there's more yes, because history. that's where that's where people landed in Plymouth Rock and also there's mm. more time for these stories to sort of come up, you know, whereas places that were built and settled in the late 19th century aren't going to have the same
0: yeah but they're things. also closer to the source
1: mm, yeah
0: so those stories wouldn't have been passed on through the distance as easily as they would have been passed on through family
1: sure yeah or through well, community yeah. anyway <laughs>
0: here we are hearing the dulcet tones of what could only be Danny Elfman at his absolute finest between this and I mean, Danny Elfman did three good things. The soundtrack to this film, the soundtrack to Night Before Christmas and the theme from The Simpsons.
1: Oh, I that's, didn't realise that was him.
0: That's Danny's done. Danny's done then. <laughs> and then just repeat until you're a millionaire.
1: <laughs> but very... It's extremely dramatic music for the signing of a will, isn't it? Sealing of a will, not even the signing.
0: Absolutely. But, you know, you're, we're meant to be thinking, are we sealing it in blood? Is it blood or wax? Mm. Let's play a game of blood or wax. It's Danny Elfman at his finest, as I say. But it should be noted as well that one of Tim Burton's things that I read about one of his things was he likes to bring the title music in as quickly as humanly possible, <laughs> even over the idents for each company that oh, produce y- it yes. every single time, because he wants that mood to be entirely him. Sure. He wants it to feel immediately like that. And actually, Danny Elfman is the best music for the job yeah. because it's so quintessentially him. And he feels like, you know, they, they work well together. And it conveys a certain thing. I wonder how Danny Elfman feels about all this. Obviously, to on the one hand, that's your career made, mate. But on the other hand, when he pops up in things, it must be a bit like, oh, have I used this? In a, <laughs> in a Tim Burton? Whoop? Nah, no, it'll be fine. And then, behold, Reddit.
1: Yeah, worse thing. these things were at last. But no, even in the 90s, people were used to the idea of their work popping up again. Yeah. in You know, back in the day, in the forties, where I'm from, mm. once a film had finished its cinema run, that was it. You wouldn't see it again unless it popped up in rep True. somewhere. So you could quite cheerfully reuse things from twenty years ago because no one was going to know.
0: No, exactly. This film is exactly how I wish Victorian times looked. Do you know that?
1: Yeah. the The aesthetic of this is yes. incredible, and it's very
0: hyper stylized, fresh from the brain of a goth kid. It is spooky, but it's also very, cl- I find it very classy. Mm. And the Victoriana is very stylized, so it doesn't feel like you've stumbled into a steampunk convention. It just feels very like a place that would organically exist and you could have stumbled upon. Well, really, actually, it feels like being in a gothic novel.
1: Yes, everything is exaggerated, but like it's but not too much. Yes. And it's quite consistent, I think, like his look across the whole thing. Yes. Holds together quite nicely.
0: This opening section of the will signing and the absolute freak out of Martin Lando is directed by somebody else.
1: Oh, I didn't know it's that. It's
0: shot by cinematographer Conrad Hall, who is not who shot the rest of the film, but it was done as a favour for Emmanuel Lebetsky. Yes. Emmanuel Lebetsky was a friend of... Well, is a friend of Tim Burton's. I think he's alive. But Conrad Hall wasn't credited because Conrad Hall came in and did it as a favour for Lebetsky. Right. So essentially, Tim Burton was impressed with Lebetsky's work on, I think it was, Great Expectations from the year before. That was
1: what you said. And was like,
0: "Come come on in. You know, come and do this thing with me. And Lebetsky was like, this is rad. But I've got a great idea. Let's get the guy that shot The Outer Limits from 1963. Oh, wow. To come on in and do this amazing scene with Martin Landau.
1: Well, that's a great fact. And it was it was just the opening. Yeah, just that, that one. Yeah.
0: And Uncredited didn't mm-hmm. didn't put his name on any of it. It was just like, and again, it works as a flashback within a film where you start with the flashback, you know? Yeah. And then the whole aesthetic changes, really. We go from this very dark, shadowy beginning bit with Martin Landau in his, in his carriage being chased by the horseman. Mm-hmm. By the way, the carriage is is called Orlando.
1: You know, I was about to say, I think it might be in Orlando. He is, but I thought that that would be too sort of cheeky, a bit too cheesy, lame. bit lame. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a fact. He it's is in fact.
1: Isn't oh, that's that, I'm, I'm delighted. By, I really am delighted <laughs> by that. That's wonderful.
0: If you're curious as well, Martin Landau is Drusilla's father, uh, Juliet Landau. It's her dad. But also very, very much more famous than that in his own right. I feel like he was in a lot of stuff I've watched.
1: He is one of those actors. There's a few of them in here, sort of genre stalwarts who will turn up in a lot of things. First appearance of somebody who's worked with Tim Burton before as well. Of course, he seems to have Mm. a pool, a little rep company of actors that turn up in multiple of his films. Mm -hmm. And Martin Lando is... A very memorable turn in Ed Wood, which I think is mid-90s, so prior to this. Yes, um,
0: yes, yes. Yeah.
1: I say, doesn't get much to do, no lines, and then gets his head cut off. But he does it very well. The...
0: Right, I know him from the very sinister Pinocchio with a puppet. Oh. He is Giuseppe. Right. And it's the transformation from Pinocchio as toy to Pinocchio... As, as a real boy. donkey no Ooh, as donkey
1: donkey
0: is nightmarish <laughs> oh it's properly i mean i know i host a horror podcast but that is scarring and also north by northwest
1: oh of course yeah. yes <laughs> yes
0: i knew i'd seen him in something very 60s looking you know very 50s so how often do we see an in cinema an actual head being taken we see a lot, up to this point, we see a lot of the cheap head roll. It's a very nice effect, isn't it? To That's true, yeah. To do the sound of the sword coming down and then the head rolling. If mm-hmm. you have a, even a semi-decent prop department, you can make it look like that head has come off that body and you do some nice bud spurts and maybe yeah. you have it spurting that kind of, t- 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 like a like a inflatable spider.
1: Yes, you know? yeah, I know the stuff. Uh,
0: but this one, we really do graphically see head removed by via sword lightning everywhere
1: (laughs) there's a lot there's a lot of weather in this film there's There's a a lot lot of lightning there's a lot of fog
0: well there's a lot of well there's a lot of lightning but there's no rain
1: no yeah good point which
0: is weird considering it's set in a time and place and a lot of fog where you'd assume everything was a little wetter than that
1: yeah yeah
0: but perhaps that made the graphics too difficult.
1: So, and it's not—they're not shooting for sort of realism here, are they? It's no. all all gothic atmosphere all the time. Also,
0: it's America, not England. Despite everyone's yeah. multi-changing accent- accents, <laughs> no cheap head roll. This, and I am going to put this out there for the world to fight over, because obviously, we are including my secret love of Johnny Depp. As my secret love of Johnny Depp up to about 2005, <laughs> when yep. it was no longer acceptable <laughs> to love Johnny Depp.
1: He made some interesting choices later in his life and career. He but...
0: made some choices based purely on the need for cash to pay for terrible relationships and choices, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> I Easy. didn't mind Secret Window, but I will put out there... <laughs> I will put out there that this is Johnny Depp's hottest role of all time. Apart oh. from very possibly his role in Crybaby. Ah. Specifically during the song, please, Mr Jailer, because, oh my God.
1: Well, I will I will yield to you on this matter. Thank you, you should. Matter as someone you sounded
0: would... like you were going to fight me on his hottest role. Did you have a...
1: No, I, I mean... Please. He's not really my...
0: I don't care. The, you, you know, you, you I, had I like beautiful opinion. women.
1: And... No, I've got nothing.
0: You don't... You you can't... All right. What do you think that other people would fight me on with that? Is it Jacques
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> where,
0: where he's an uncomfortable Irishman.
1: Irish? I always wondered what that was supposed to be. He's,
0: well, he's gypsy folk.
1: Yeah. In yeah. inverted commas. Yeah. Traveller um, folk. I did know somebody who, like, really... Had their hearts to an uncomfortable degree for Captain Jack Sparrow. She was really into the whole... Yes. The the pirate thing, the Keith Richards impression thing, you know, all the eyeliner. Like, more than anybody should be.
0: I used to know a Jack Sparrow impersonator in Cornwall, (laughs) and he was way hotter than that. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... No. Sorry. No. Rejecting that. Fair enough. But I see your point. And also... I should say there as well, there are, I would say I know at least six people that feel like his hottest role is Edward Scissorhands. So I think we've all got oh, problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> he's very good. Or at least he, he has the potential. You know, he's sometimes very, very good as an actor, too.
0: Oh, no, I think he's a good actor. Yeah. I just, genuinely do. I just, again, 2005 and before. It's like Muse.
1: Sure. <laughs> I, just, I just wouldn't want anyone to think that we were just objectifying him as like a bit of tale. you know man tail
0: do you not think it's a little refreshing that we do that rather than the oodles and oodles and oodles and oodles not that it should be tit tit for tat (laughs) so to speak Mm. but the tit for todge but the (laughs) overwhelming number of people that will just be like that's a nice bit of skirt in a film
1: yeah fair enough
0: let's have a moment for Johnny Depp and say maybe if we're going to talk about a potentially wife beating abuser unconfirmed sure unconvicted yeah let's just talk about his pretty face for a while Fair enough. however you're dead right I think he's a good actor and I think he's a good he's a solid Gemini we'll put it that way he's a good shapeshifter
1: well, I mean he's in a cast here with some heavyweights mm. a, a couple with titles you know a couple of acting knights you know what I mean the theatrical <laughs> men who've uh, received honours
0: yes I do
1: and he's holding his own
0: sort of Yes, I would agree with that to a point, but we'll talk about it when it comes to it, because I have notes on this. Mm. We then are presented with a tirade of um, beautiful cameos. Christopher Lee stealing the show (laughs) in a very small role, but being wonderful.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, this uh, this has been... Oh, he's dead now, isn't he? But this was his... Oh, yeah, um, that's so
0: sad, I forgot. But, you know,
1: he was working up until his 90s, and he seemed to specialise in, like, half a day's filming, where he would turn up. (laughs) Often in some quite forgettable films, looking mm. at you, *Season of the Witch*, uh, <laughs> where he would just knock it out of the park for his few minutes. Usually, where he's yeah. sort of in one set, you know, and Bellowing. then and then depart. Yeah, and, and a, a marvelous, wonderful voice. And here he is, what some sort of magistrate? a magistrate? Yeah.
0: Yes, essentially to give us the setup that Ichabod Crane, our leading man, Johnny mm. Depp is to go to this tiny little place and solve this mystery. He is a policeman that the other policemen think is a joke.
1: Yeah, and he's, importantly, he's a modern policeman. He is. He's interested
0: in forensics, obviously, before there are forensics. Yes. (laughs) And not moving the body and doing all the things that we know of people like Sherlock Holmes. Yes, exactly. As we say.
1: This is the first major deviation from the... Source material. Yes. The story. Because in that he is a uh, Ichabod Crane is a dandy school teacher. Teacher,
0: yeah, nasty yeah. teacher as well. By the sound of it. Yeah, who he punishment. loves
1: to beat uh, children, but only for their own good. I suppose it was eighteen Hot? nineteen. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> school children, immediately. children. Sorry.
0: I got it wrong again. Grayscale and a red cardinal i've put here because we have this again very victorian model of everything in black and white apart from the things that aren't you know apart from the striking one color thing which has been used to tacky effect in later years and i feel like it was the first filter that people had on their phone (laughs) for a while (laughs) oh yeah for photos yeah but
1: but it's not done to that extent. No, not at all. It's It's very just nice. everything's quite muted, which is, uh, yeah, very nice.
0: Yes, he releases his cardinal back into the wild. I've put F, yeah. Melodrama. It's all melodrama.
1: <laughs> it is very fruity, isn't it? It
0: is. He's having a look at his stigmata. <laughs> There's a demon chorus. There's a creepy word. And I've put lol, no duh. It is definitely Danny Elfman. Yep. Essentially, he's arriving in a funeral carriage as well.
1: Yeah, Ichabod. everything. Yes. Yeah. But then everybody seems to get around in funereal. It's just a very yeah. gothic place, isn't it? Yes. No getting around it. No. And uh, he's yeah new in town and it looks rather unfriendly, as it were. <laughs> yes. I put
0: this film is the movement.
1: What does that mean?
0: It means that it sparked such an incredible time in fashion and scene. And, you know, it sparked such a shift in subculture, specifically in 1999. And I was there and I was too young to really fully (laughs) indulge in it. But I did it anyway. (laughs) Somehow. And it. I remember the shift. I remember the shift in all the rest of media around it, and therefore it becoming, again, subculture is quite strong because that feels like it was subverted, and then Tim Burton brought it into the bigger world. If sure, you like. and
1: you know Tim Burton's been ploughing this furrow for a while. Yes, It just happened absolutely. that around about this time there was a, an alignment with the stars, if you'd like. you yes. know that there was something in the in the zeitgeist that mm. facilitated this coming together, like.
0: And we had this lovely move into a more Victorian goth aesthetic from, I would say, where it was touched upon during the sort of backlash of goth punk, you know, Mm -hmm. where we had these things like going and buying an old bridesmaid dress and ripping it apart and dyeing it black and doing all that sort of stuff. And then it got much more refined here. And we're into corporate goth territory as well, just two years after this Mm -hmm. which I do again fully feel like has a lot to do with Johnny Depp's ensemble throughout this whole film which I frequently gasped at much to Ben's uh, chagrin because riding boots when you're not really riding and all of the hot things that are involved in this outfit is, they're just superb I will (laughs) talk about them later so it did I think spark a massive movement to have this aesthetic creep into everything even even if it was just that he was the forerunner and it was happening anyway.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, certainly it helped to popularise it. I'm just saying mm. that it, it was something in the air at the time as well.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: But yeah, when we go inside Van Tassel's house, mm-hmm. where where the party is, the the colour palette sort of shifts. I think it this does. might be what you're alluding to with the change, the change in the tone of the types of gothic. Yes, yes. And we're suddenly in a very opulent, mm. very comfortable, very friendly, very welcoming uh, place, even if it, the this is where we meet the town elders who are all played by sort of old British character actors.
0: <laughs> Everyone they could find from British TV and cinema Yeah, from the last sort of 20 years of up to this point. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> And they're all
0: great and they're all trying to out-camp each other and it's... <laughs> it's really nice to watch them it's a bit like it feels like a kind of theater night you would never get because each of them would be playing one main character in a theater production yeah in a shakespearean production but it would be if somebody got the budget together to put them all in one
1: yeah absolutely uh gambon michael gambon in the middle there as Van Tassel. Mm. Um, sir Michael Cat, has he been knighted? He is, sir. I would yes. be, I'd be surprised if he, he hasn't. Now. Yes. One of those theatrical knights I was talking about and a wonderful yes. actor doing a really creditable sort of New England accent. Well, I, he's I taking feel. it
0: seriously and he takes it so seriously that, again, I don't want to do too much skipping ahead, but his scene in the church, his acting in the church is really. Bloomin' good. Oh, yeah. He looks frightened. And to have suddenly, and I think it's a real technique that is deliberate and directed, in fact, not just a sign of good actors. But I really feel like it's deliberate to have Campus Christmas, Campus Christmas, genuine peril. Yes. Genuine fear. Because it breaks you out of it. It. it I'll talk about pacing a bit later mm, as no, well. And
1: most of the time the film manages this tightrope if you'd like or this Mm. uh, handles mood and tone very very well yes most of the time
0: (laughs) i was going to ask our listeners does anyone know of a graphic novel set in victorian times because that's what this feels like to me the high contrast the dashes of color the way things are framed is very graphic novel very comic book i wondered if anyone knew specifically I wonder I guess From Hell is a little bit that way but I could do with just a nice influx I would like to know about some graphic novels if anyone does
1: that was just a request well some of the it's more of Helen Moore's way but some of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen
0: oh yeah riffs
1: riffs entirely on Victorian literature like that and the later ones of course bring it into the 20th century but Certainly the first one is...
0: Yes, good point. Who's got a kiss for the pickety Witch? Well, Brom is angry.
1: Yes, Brom. <laughs>
0: Alas, poor Brom.
1: Yeah, a major character in the short story. Sorry to hark on about it. I don't mean to be the, the ghost of Washington Irving popping up and complaining <laughs> that they've changed his story around. But I really feel like he's here as an artifact of the source material rather mm. than because he has anything to contribute particularly Mm -hmm. but his character in the story is very much as we see here when he's introduced he is Ichabod's rival in love Mm -hmm. he's an able horseman Mm -hmm. and a bit of a practical joker
0: yes he's also immediately set up as having a volatile temper and that's important Mm. as well he acts on impulse yeah. We meet Sir Michael, and he says, Young Sir, you are, to Ichabod, Young Sir, you are most welcome even if you are selling something, which I really love. One, it feels like Shakespearean humour. Mm-hmm. That kind of throwaway line that actually everybody does that little uh, intellectual <laughs> about.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, the Shakespeare jokes that everyone has to laugh to show that they understand why it's funny. Rather exactly. Than because it makes
0: I it... roll. But it's also, I've put here that he really reminds me of... Fuzzy wig from Muppet Christmas Carol.
1: (laughs) Well, yes, he's a prosperous merchant. Yeah. You know, it's a nice little self-assured thing from him. He's master of his own domain, I feel.
0: I think so too. And Miranda Richardson, who, by the way, child me, if I'd known what queerness was at that point (laughs) properly... My endless girl crush on Miranda Richardson as a child. Uh, it's begun as with her as Queen Mab and the Lady of the Lake oh, yes. in the Channel 4 Merlin that shaped most of my life thus far. <laughs> and in this... Oh. And I realise now as well that a lot of that is about the clothes she gets to wear. But also she's incredibly competent. Yeah, And I always find that impressive. Competence massively impresses me and attracts me if anyone's needing to know that (laughs) but you know (laughs) incredibly beautiful in a yellow and black gorgeous number and here's where we have our first reference to crimson peak
1: yeah definitely
0: you may remember if patient listener if you heard the crimson peak episode me harping on quite nicely about how tim burton it all is (laughs) and this is one of the outfits where i feel like it was a direct influence on Gilmero del Toro's, if nothing else, his subconscious. It's yeah. the yellow and black, which is the theme of the main character in Crimson Peak. She mm-hmm. gets to be this yellow and black butterfly all the way through. But the yellow and black, it's got that kind of shaping to it. It's every feature exaggerated. And she looks like a poisonous frog. She really does. Like you're like, oh. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, they're the, da- the natural danger colours.
0: They are. Yeah. They are.
1: I suppose we get, I'll talk a little bit about this scene here where Mm. we're introduced to the town Worthies and they explain some of the backstory to young Ichabod, newly arrived in town and determined to sniff out this criminal using all of his modern scientific experiments and experience and knowledge.
0: Tim Burton managed to persuade Michael Goff to come out of retirement for this role. We were talking off air and saying that it's actually his best role.
1: He's wonderful in this. Not going to lie. I mean,
0: you may know him as Alfred.
1: Indeed, from Batman.
0: <laughs> also, yeah. Tim Burton, actually.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Some and, of them. yes, and prior to this, a great many terrible British horror films. Yes, and, and similar.
0: Where he spends a lot of time looking through glasses that seem thicker than. Any substance on this earth, yeah. A little bit perturbed. He's a kind of perturbed owl (laughs) of a man. But in this film, he looks very Renfield. He looks very broken. He's got a dodgy eye, and he does the whole "taken by the headless horseman, taken back to hell" (laughs) business.
1: (laughs) Yeah, marvelous. Good fun. Uh, Yeah, he's the notary here, and uh, he's. You may know him from *The Hammer Dracula*, where Mm. he is uh, interesting. Obviously, I'm Tim Burton. Has definitely seen that, and it's not coincidence that even though they don't have any scenes together, you've got
0: Christopher Arthur
1: Lee. Arthur Homewood is Michael Gough here, yeah, and Christopher Lee Dracula, of course, playing in the film together some fifty, yeah, uh, forty, forty years later.
0: And Landau, who was in a load of horror a load of of genre that time. stuff,
1: mm. yeah, and as you say, out of retirement. So he'd retired a few years earlier, but only, apparently only did this for Tim Burton. Nobody else. Got him to sort of act in the last few years of his no. life, but Tim Burton got him for this and A Corpse Bride and Alice in Wonderland. I think he's the voice of the Dodo. Oh, that's quite
0: lovely. Is he alive? No, he died. He's, didn't de- he? he's
1: dead now. I mean, he was ninety odd when he did that. Mm. He was in his eighties here. And then you've got Richard Griffiths, who you may know as Uncle Monty from um, Withnail and I, or. Uncle Vernon from the Harry Potter films, who oh, specialised yes. in uncles. That is a very avuncular sort of figure. And as the uh, chef from Pie in the Sky, if you watched that, British television in the 90s. That's
0: where I know him from. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. That was really bugging me. And <laughs> I'm not even ashamed.
1: <laughs> He's dead now as well. But yeah, I suppose they were all uh, <laughs> knocking on a little bit. These were sort of all British character actors. <laughs> Sorry, I sound like my dad. You
0: do sound exactly like your dad. You, that's gonna make you shiver when just, you listen back.
1: Just watching the film and going, pointing at pointing at the screen and going, "Dead, he's dead."
0: God, he's Scorpio, father.
1: Yeah. <laughs> cutaway. But yes, uh, more to the point, we're having sure.
0: a cutaway into the fire at the moment with Christopher exactly. Walken looking like he's having the time of his life <laughs> on a beautiful black stallion. Christopher Walken does quote this film as being his first kiss on screen. That's not true. It's number four. But he, <laughs> he says that this is it. Christopher Walken has sharpened teeth and contact lenses and looks like a kind of strange hell figure. Yeah, he it's, doesn't
1: have any lines except for going like, ah, gah, ah, because ah, yeah. he just loves cutting people's heads off.
0: He just loves it. He also has a very sexy horse. His horse, as soon as I saw it, I said to Ben... That will be Spanish, and it is. They've, In fact, that horseman's horse is called Daredevil. Good work. Oh no, I just put Spain, but it's from uh, Seville. Oh, which is Spain, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yes, where it's the from, oranges come from And uh, it looks like the Spanish circus horses. You know, the proper, mm. beautiful ones, long hair, trained to perfection. This one really is beautifully trained. It, it's trained to know how to look manic, which is so amazing. Trying to train a horse to do that when it's also clearly a breed that is well-versed in the kind of... I can't remember what it's called. There's a Spanish version of Gymkhana that's kind of amazing. They make the horses dance.
1: Oh, yes, yes. I have seen it. I don't know what it's called.
0: It begins with A. It's quite lovely watching it prance about, but also be made to look a little bit evil and devilish.
1: And this is an interesting sequence because it... It's very theatrical. Not mm-hmm. that it looks fake isn't the right word. I've, you know, I'm deliberately going with theatrical. It's, it's very nice, but it doesn't look like documentary filmmaking.
0: No, it looks like some old frightened men are telling you about this thing, exactly. and this is how you're imagining it. I would also compare it to, oh, the Judder Man.
1: Oh, the the Smirnoff Mets advertising. advert. Yeah, yeah,
0: Mets. Is it Mets? I think so. It's a booze advert from yes. back in the day with a hand-cranked, beautiful...
1: A camera and a marionette business. Yes. And yes, and they could have done it that way, but I think it does have that sort of flavour to it. It's really nice.
0: Mm. Badass twins in the woods, grass him up with a stick.
1: Yeah, very The Shining. Um, mm, very. This is, the, this is our weekly mention of... That Kubrick film. <laughs> but of course, Creepy Twins.
0: I will say that was the second most popular comparison whenever I looked up Sleepy Hollow. It oh. was people saying, this is from The Shining, this is from The Shining. You know, the blood gates, Of course. The twins, the snow, the, all yep.
1: sorts. Yeah, fair enough.
0: So what we've seen, I'll just go into the... Flashback a little bit because Mm. I realize we haven't really told you. We've just said it's pretty, (laughs) which we could just do for the whole film and then go. I mean, it is very
1: pretty. We'll we'll take that as read, so that we don't have to keep repeating ourselves. But it looks gorgeous all the way through. We will mention. I would
0: argue that from the halfway mark, it starts being more style than substance.
1: I'd go along with that. Yeah,
0: but that doesn't mean it's not still up there as one of my most formative things. The scene that we see as told by the men is of Christopher Walken as the horseman as a hessian fighting everybody, chopping their heads off loving killing, just loves killing (laughs) and he is on the run at one point Mm -hmm. he's fleeing and he finds a nice quiet woods and a lot of snow and then stumbles across twins twin girls one of whom hides, rightly so the other one breaks a stick knowing that the men are searching for him and then watches him die, yeah. which is pretty N- eye graphic. Eye contact
1: as well while she does it. You mm. know.
0: Yeah, she knows. she knows. She knows
1: exactly what she's doing.
0: Mm-hmm. She watches as they remove his head, chuck it into a grave with him. Again, very graphic. He looks quite angry about it too.
1: <laughs> oh, she would.
0: Yes. And then we are back in the room with the men.
1: Yes, so they've told this story. Yes. And because they, we should also mention, there's been a spate of beheadings, not just Martin Lando and his son, but a a few others. And that is why Christopher Lee has sent this troublesome young Johnny Depp, Ichabod Crane detective, to try and figure out what's going on. And they tell him this story. It's the horseman. He's back. He's out for blood. He wants the heads.
0: I find it very Whistle and I'll Come to You. His he, he, There's a lot of that as well, I think, about this film. mm
1: mm-hmm.
0: About the actual story itself.
1: Oh, OK, yes. Yeah, he's your classic sort of modern, disbelieving... Exactly. ...enlightenment figure.
0: But also quite fud, fuddy, quite... Yeah. ...fumbling, quite a bumbling presence that no one really takes fully seriously anyway because of his line of work and his approach. mm mm-hmm. And then on top of that, he's a sceptic of what he's seeing. So their fear is met with this kind of, well, that's nice, but I'm here to see, you know. And he even says, these are human crimes made, done by a human hand. There's yes. nothing supernatural happening here. And and I will get to the bottom of it. And I said here, it's, a, it's this film is very much a love letter to proper Victorian ghost storytelling and... Hammer horror,
1: the yeah. two combined. Yeah.
0: And it, again, in research, it's also based a little bit on some of the lucha films uh, from the sixties. Yeah, well.
1: Mexican wrestler crime-fighting horror films. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Weirdly, not a genre that travelled. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the deer scattering first when they look mm. into the forest. The deer scattering first is such a beautiful effect. Bear in mind as well, we haven't seen the monster yet, really. We've seen... We've heard a lot. We've seen shadows. We've seen the horse. And we've seen the death of the horseman, but we haven't actually seen the horseman himself.
1: Yeah, these are just the stories of the old men. Exactly. Rather than in the, you know, real world. Well,
0: also even in Martin Landau's death. So... Yeah. Not so. Martin Landau's death. (laughs) We see hooves and hear nonsense, but we don't Mm -hmm. really see fully... The actual guy. So, to see the deer scattering, and they're so they're shot so dark as well. We're really in a, a monochrome look.
1: Because mm. then we, we also see the all of the torches go out as well, and it just reminds us that like it's a dark wood out there. You know, it's a, it's a dark and frightening place. Yeah. Nice. It's nicely drawn. We get you know the, the geography and the sense of Sleepy Hollow as a place is quite well done because it's all. Studio. It's all sets, isn't it? Yes,
0: it it is. Yeah. Apart from the the windmill is also a 60 foot set, but it's built outside of the studio. Yeah. Because they couldn't fit it in there. Yeah. Fair enough. There's a 60 (laughs) foot one, and there's one a third the size.
1: Ah, right. uh, With
0: forced perspective, but we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. later. Murder. The horseman's killed again, with gunfire into the sky.
1: Yeah. So this is the Watchman, isn't it?
0: It (laughs) is the Watchman. We are. Also, we're introduced to Gunpowder the horse, who is an incredibly beautiful riding school pony. Very cute little thing. It's definitely too small in hand height for a rider of Johnny Depp's height. Totally fine for his weight. They didn't do anything horrible to a horse. you know. Yeah. Totally fine for his weight. He would have been lighter than an actual bird at that point in his <laughs> career, but... It's He's definitely the wrong height for the horse. It's a really nice touch that they gave him this horrible little pony. Yeah, And they all gallivant off on his on their steeds. So I have some horse comments here that are more than just, that's a pretty horse, I bet it's from Spain. Please. One is that that horse that he's on is in fact called GoldenEye, which is an amazing name for a horse. And it's boom. very 90s. Burner indeed. Boom, boom, boom. Johnny Depp actually purchased GoldenEye. When filming was done, because uh, he heard he was going to be put down, not because filming was done, no. <laughs> but, but he heard he was yeah. going to be put down, and immediately purchased the pony Aww. because he loved him. But it turns out that Johnny Depp is pretty terrible on a horse. He's a very bad rider, so he was thrilled to have been given this cack little, yeah. pony.
1: Yeah, and they do they do the horse riding shots quite well. There are a couple of other actors who can't ride the horses but it's done quite well yes in you know long shots and but then
0: brom very accomplished rider apparently yeah. as in the actor is and so the. no i, mean, I
1: think you can see that because there's a few shots he holds
0: the horse like he knows how to hold a horse and yeah. you've got ichabod crane holding the reins up you're supposed to hold reins uh, depending on which style you're riding but the style that they are riding is not western style When you're riding Western, you predominantly hold the saddle. You don't, you know, the reins are kind of loose. You hold the saddle. It's a much bigger, much more comfortable saddle. They are riding much more in a European style. So you would be holding it like a tea tray, your reins, and you would be holding it low as if you're trying to balance a tea tray on the back of the horse. And you loop the reins over the little finger, under the middle two fingers and over the first finger, and then use the thumb for control really good way to control a horse right the bridle is like a a direct movement from your hands to the horse's mouth so it knows where you want to go and your thumbs and your little finger are doing all the work and yet you've got johnny depp holding it like two pens like (laughs) at eye level freaking out and actually trying to use the reins as a whip at one
1: point i just
0: thought like horse is an absolute angel
1: <laughs> and I wonder if he's doing some like hand acting here as well He will like, be, completely I want to get my hands into frame to do Because I'm... otherwise it's just my face
0: Completely, that's definitely what he's doing He makes himself look far more worried Than he needs to <laughs> in that moment So, that's some horse chat I'm sure there'll be more horse chat later Gunpowder but is do... the <laughs> real star here Is what I've written here.
1: Go on Well I do want to draw attention to The restraint Shown here because we still don't see the mm. the horseman properly here, mm-hmm. but we do see the watchman whose name escapes me. We do see his reaction to this frightening thing, yeah. and then we see. And one of my bugbears with some of Tim Burton's work mm. and some of the things that I think he fell into a little bit later in his career, following mm-hmm. on from this, given that this is twenty odd years ago now. Somehow I don't know how that can be so, but <laughs> is that. He pushes everything too far, and there's no one there to there's no restraining hand on his shoulder to say, "Don't do that, yes. don't show that, don't do all of it." And at least here, and again, as I say, we're still in the first half of the film. It's it's really nice to see. I was I was delighted. Little little cheering in my notes here just to say, <laughs> "Oh, you didn't, you didn't push it too far."
0: It's true. It's all true.
1: Um, so we
0: find a body. Mm. The head is removed. We have some beautifully designed steampunk eye gear that supposedly Ichabod has made himself. It's very cute. It's very in keeping with the melodrama of the rest of it. And he's looking at the wound. It's quite intense. It's quite graphic, (laughs) just saying.
1: But I, I appreciated this, not explanation as such, but his description of the wound is sort of cauterised immediately which is why there isn't all the blood everywhere.
0: Yes, exactly and uh, they say, oh, the devil's blade indeed. because
1: that's their job <laughs> but, but it means that you can, this is a 15 um, a BBFC classification which I think yeah. is is fair as you say, there's a lot of decapitation in it and it's quite mm-hmm. graphic but what you don't get is the sort of Italian horror film fountains <laughs> of blood yes. everywhere that would probably push it to an 18 if it was well, done Well do you want to
0: know why else?
1: yes that is i would like to know why else that because
0: is. most of this film apart from some of the flashback sequences are filmed with a blue filter on very heavily blue filter right so every time they wanted to show blood they had to have orange liquid wow so it was really difficult to get realistic wounds yeah in orange in order for them to show up correctly with the blue filter oh
1: that's fascinating mm. yeah yeah but it because it, it did not bother me as such but it, it is noticeable that like they don't bleed, bleed. at mm. all and it's it's a nice little bit of work it's a nice little bit of script work to sort of just put in something to point that up and it just shows that they're aware of that
0: that's true also with the way the graphics were working for in order for them to produce that effect having blood splatter alongside that would have cheapened it immediately yeah so they did that. It was a good choice. No, they, they did yeah, the right thing. Absolutely. And when they did actually make someone bleed, they did it just wrong, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the costumes of the local oh. worthies here when they gathered around the corpse in the snow. Yes. They're really they they look they they look practical. They look warm mm-hmm. for the weather, you know, mm-hmm. but they also are opulent, and they really show something about the characters of the, it's just. It's just really nice work.
0: They do. I've also written Ichabod's outfit in block capitals.
1: Yeah, his his dress is great as well. With
0: several swear words around it. There's riding (laughs) boots because I, I think it's a character point because he's been told he's going to be doing riding, so he's doing the all the gear and no idea thing. Yeah, to turn up in knee height boots. You know, they're all there in their casuals. And yeah. he's there like, I've got this. These this is a riding jacket as well, like an old school Victorian riding jacket. Absolutely useless when you're bumbling around on a horse you can't ride that goes the wrong way. <laughs> when they you know, because that's what riding school ponies do.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a really nice symbol from the men to put him back in a beta position. Mm-hmm. He's constantly striving to be alpha. With his knowledge, and he's constantly pushed into beta throughout the entire film.
1: Yeah, well, it's a classic thing as well of, the, like, he's the outsider.
0: He is, yes, and, and he, he doesn't... doesn't believe.
1: Yeah, and so he doesn't belong.
0: Oh, we really brushed over the the meeting of Christina Ricci.
1: So we did, of course, yes.
0: But we'll come back to it, Yeah, as in, we meet her again. <laughs> yes. So... Ichabod is riding through a tunnel and a bunch of frogs and toads are saying his name. Oh, yeah. It's from the cartoon. Wow. Yes. (laughs) I knew I recognised it and I went back and was like, ah, Mm -hmm. there we go. It's, yeah, it's meant to be in that sinister thing of the wind whispering your name. Yeah,
1: yeah, I can see that. But but because it never seems to happen again and it seems to be just something... Yeah, it's just
0: a random Easter egg. ...throw throw away. Yeah. Yeah, it's a random Easter egg from the... Bing Crosby era uh, of <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sleepy Hollow he's then pursued by the horseman
1: indeed yes
0: by a horseman mm. by a headless person holding a flaming pumpkin and I put the pumpkin throw is so Tim Burton we're just going <laughs> to keep it on the pumpkin. to the camera yeah exactly
1: yeah and this is actually the denouement of the original short story. Ah. Uh, he is pursued by a figure that appears to be headless. Mm-hmm. He's frightened, he runs away. He loses his Sadly, nearly falls off. And then he's never seen again, but there are really fine bits of pumpkin next to his hat. And it is strongly implied that this is Brom... Uh, from the story, who chases him because they're rivals in love. Yep. And the ichabod clears out and is never seen again. But all the locals say, "Oh, you know, the headless horseman took him," and that's the end of the story. Like, oh, from, wow. from here on, we're in entirely original material. If that makes sense.
0: Oh, fascinating. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay.
1: Hmm. But the appearance here of as is, as is the um, false horseman, if you'd like, the fact that we see a, a man. Inside, at pretending after the ch- after this chase mm-hmm. is clearly, I think, cueing the audience in, is cluing you in and making you trying to make you think a certain way. Yes, because we've been presented with the supernatural explanation of mm-hmm. the events, if you'd like, by the townspeople, but because we have come in with Ichabod, mm-hmm. who is. Very much a, a rational man of science, you know. We're then given a view of a headless horseman with a earthly, terrestrial explanation. Mm. And I feel like it's put in here at this point to, to misdirect.
0: Yes, I think so. Yes. I also think that they have, again, picked up on his beta status. Mm-hmm. And it's an effort to bring the intelligent man down a peg or two, the city dweller. Sure. To put the townie in an uncomfortable position. Sure. But then this slips us into his first faint, which is where we find out that he is a regular fainter (laughs) in this film, Ichabod, and into a very beautiful, one of the first flashback scenes or dream sequences that are memories. My note on this is... Ichabod is clearly in love with his mother because of the way it's shot. Because she's shot as this beautiful, carefree woman with her breasts out. Turns out Tim Burton was shagging the actress. So
1: yeah, that figures. That's that why she's figure. shot in such a horny way. Yes,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why it looks like he wants to do horrible things to his mum. And they didn't bother making that a plot point of any description. I think it's just she is a wanton, fae-like character. Yeah. They also (laughs) happen to shoot from the top down every time. It is distracting to me. I don't know about you, but I was very like, why are we... Because it's placed front and centre of the screen. Yeah,
1: and also, like, it's not really made clear... In fact, never really made clear sort of what we're looking at. I couldn't tell you now, like, what the narrative purpose of these flashback scenes really are, except to sort of try and flesh out Ichabod a little bit. Mm. But to me, it's... They're not entirely successful. Oh, really? They they look great.
0: They do, but um,
1: I don't just mean I don't just mean her decolletage. But
0: her no, diamante,
1: indeed. <laughs> but the, you know the 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 aesthetic and the way that the these little flashback bits are composed is really nice. But I feel like if you took them out, the the film would still make as much sense as it does with them. There are a few like thematic mm. resonances and some nice things that that pop up yeah they're not an unqualified success for me
0: okay fair enough fair enough the cardinal is back that bird Mm. it's um on the flippy thing
1: yeah i meant to find out what that was called it's
0: called a thaumatrope
1: oh yes lovely which is
0: quite satisfying yeah Former tropes, everybody found I found them in a book of optical illusions when I was a small child, and I had several of them made up around the house Wow we also you and I purchased a job lot auction of a dead lady's jewelry, and I we did yeah got several of them on a miniature version where when you turn the thing they make I love you
1: oh yes,
0: and all sorts of different messages, but when you just see them blank. And not spinning. Yeah, you have to see the emotion for it to work. Yeah, yeah. Same idea. So thaumatroping. Uh, very Victorian again. But the bird in the cage one is a very particular thing that is like the standard one that they would come with.
1: Yeah, I remember, I remember. I remember one of those from my childhood. You know, making making one in very much a similar fashion. Yeah. I think it was a bird in a cage. Yeah.
0: Elastic bands, actually. Yeah, that we used because it was much more effective. But I think string would do it. We meet Christina Ricci again. So we actually met her as the Piketty Witch, doing Blind Man's Buff. Indeed. At the party and giving Ichabod a kiss before she'd even seen him. It's interesting that this is an example of a film where the female kisses the male without consent. Mm. Often we have a lot of this surprise kiss thing, (laughs) particularly around this time. And actually it's quite nice to have somebody grabbed... In a playful way, not in a predatory way, but still having the kiss stolen—it's yeah. quite sweet. Also made me think of a, a version of Maid Marion I'd seen, but I can't mm. remember which one. Anyway, even the candles in this scene are fit. Everything has a kind of dusting to it, and the candles are particularly nice. I think that they are beeswax that's been buffed. All oh, right. Yeah. Really beautiful. Could be. Mm. Anyway, hmm. <laughs> I mean, who knows with Tim Burton, they may be actual, you know, the beef candles. Well,
1: yeah, I, the attention to detail is, is really very good. Like not, it's strange because he's not going for like period accuracy as such. No. So, you know, I don't think they will be tallow, as you, as you alluded to, because mm-hmm. uh, they burn horribly.
0: Yeah, they smell like burning flesh, weirdly. Yeah, and,
1: but also they, they don't give off a very nice... Uh, like, because it, he's realised that it doesn't matter that he's not making a documentary, yep. and that, that the candles he picks and the, well, almost everything he picks is just right for this sort of imagined past. Mm-hmm. You know, the sort of the, the late eighteenth century New England of the mind, if you'd like. You know?
0: I would like. I wanted to say mm. here as well, Christina Ricci. When I watched this film as a as a young person. I had it in mind that Christina Ricci looks incredibly pale Throughout this film And also apologies to anybody that says it, Ricci I know I'm probably winding you up But I think (laughs) it might actually be Ricci She was a goth poster child For all of my childhood You know, she's Cat in Casper
1: Oh, of course Uh,
0: She's Wednesday Adams Yeah. She's all these big players In the cinematic goth scene But in this film, I I remembered her as being pale, looking quite sickly. Looking at it now, it's because this is a film that has actually got natural makeup right. And that's why it looks off and out of place, because natural makeup in Hollywood is predominantly either dewy to the point of looking like they're having menopausal sweat or hyper tanned. Yeah. You know, so I'm not wearing any makeup, but you are wearing five hours on a sunbed. And also makeup. Yeah. (laughs) But this one is properly... Her lips are a little bit darker, but they are essentially the same shade as the inside of her mouth. Which is how you get the exact nude shade of lipstick. And she is somehow glowing, but is also exceptionally pale looking. Now, I will say... Very clearly, Tim Burton has a fetish for this in his females. We've all seen Corpse Bride. We've all seen everything he's done. Everyone's pale, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, nobody here is particularly has the look of the Costa del Sol about them.
0: No, but compared to them, she is glowing, which sure. is very nicely done in a very subtle way, deceptively so. I would say the person wearing the most makeup is probably Johnny Depp, trying to <laughs> fill in those divine cheekbones, you know, trying to get the... The exact amount of gaunt that Tim Burton likes in his men. But Christina Ricci as well looks suspiciously like the bride to be in Corpse Bride that isn't dead.
1: Oh, right. Yeah.
0: Uh, but come to life, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like <laughs> Christina Ricci really has the look of one of Tim Burton's drawings with the dark under eye, big, big eyes.
1: It's always weird for me seeing her blonde. Like, it's like, very yeah.
0: strange, yeah, and I think, again, it adds to the paleness, but also she's supposed to be ghostly and frail, in, not frail, that's wrong. Faye um, a, little, fey bit. a yeah. little bit, but it's more like otherworldly. And, like, she's moving at a different pace to everybody else. Mm -hmm. She knows more than everybody else. And I think it's good to keep her as a white woman, you know, in in the context of the healer or the the village witch, the white woman being quite a nice archetype. But also, on the one hand, in the living sense, the white woman is the witch and the healer and the midwife and all this. Weirdly, she's not the midwife, but, Mm -hmm. you know, normally in the village... And the dead version is the woman in white that haunts the halls of places usually mm-hmm. dressed very similarly to her. So she gets to be all of them and float around the place looking angelic. It's quite nice.
1: Is this where they're meeting in the ruins of the It is, uh, of, the of the
0: cottage. And I've said, it looks like somewhere I would get married, <laughs> <laughs> which is true.
1: There's a couple of things I want you to talk about about this scene. The mm-hmm. uh, first is it's always nice to bring in some of my training, okay, and that book that the book of spells yes. that uh, he gives, she gives him the handwriting isn't bad on the inside, mm-hmm. but uh, that looks a very late 19th century binding, I'm afraid, and uh, <laughs> really bothered me. I know that we t- I know I just said that he doesn't worry about like period accuracy or anything, but that binding is all wrong, mm. all wrong for the period. There, um...
0: To be honest, it does look more like a reader's digest kind of maybe a portfolio binding, actually,
1: yeah. That's a shame. They should have gone for just a, a plain plain full calf leather. Yeah. And they did not. But I they didn't ask why me. why they
0: didn't. Because everything, when you look at like the books that the men are reading, like the notary and things, they are fairly on it. I imagine yeah, it was Bible, just to find a blue Bible one. Because there's a Bible
1: mentioned earlier. And that looks, that looks a little modern, but it looks basically fine. You yeah. know, It's, it's, it's nothing, it's not, it's not as egregious as uh, that. But I say, I, I'm willing to accept that that wouldn't bother most people <laughs> <laughs> yes but what i also wanted to talk about was Ichabod cranes that will talk about optics and his spinning film is also about cinema right about mm. moving the moving image mm-hmm. and speed and the lots of images together make up a a thing that isn't true but that has the appearance of truth and reality and that's that's what filmmaking is isn't it
0: I suppose I took it as a metaphor for what was creating the Horseman.
1: Oh yeah, that too. As yeah. in
0: a series of images that you believe to be true, and when they're put together in a certain order, they can appear true. Yeah. But the truth is very different.
1: Right. Oh yes. Mm. Yeah, it is that too? That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, I just I just went straight to because it's it's, it's a movie.
0: It's, it's a zoetrope, but uh, yeah, exactly. younger
1: and um, well the. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola was involved in the production of this right I think executive producer so his oh, his yes. logo for his company comes up which is American Zotrope is his yes film company so all these things sort of went together in the soup in my brain and went oh he's talking about the moving image he's talking about yes. film he's talking about cinema which is just a just a nice little nice little thing where it's the, very
0: very sweet yes yeah yeah the cardinal puppet is a really sweet thing here. So there's a little cardinal. Obviously, it's everybody's favourite in the film. It's Christina Ricci's favourite. It's Johnny Depp's favourite. It's a puppet, which has <laughs> aged me horribly, hasn't it, yeah. to make that joke. But oh it's because apparently <laughs> Tim Burton is quoted as saying that <laughs> there's, just, there's no way to get hold of a cardinal in... England, apparently. Yeah,
1: they filmed this in Shepperton Studios where a, a bunch of Hammer films were made as well. Yeah. I was surprised. I know there's a fair few elderly English actors in it, but uh, I, I didn't realise until the end that it was in a
0: Shepperton. British filmed
1: production. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, he said that one person owned a cardinal and they didn't want to give it to them, so they ended up using a <laughs> puppet. But I, I think he's right. He said the puppet works really nicely and it I think does. it's such a better idea than using a computer effect. And it gives it that Victorian automaton vibe, yeah, where automatons were so popular at that
1: point in time absolutely, and you know, and again, which is a little later than uh, strictly speaking, a little later than we are set here, mm, but tonally kind of, yeah, and um because I suppose in a lot of ways as well, this is a very Victorian idea of a generation earlier,, you know, yes. with the aesthetic of it and everything, and especially when you compare there's a scene coming up. A little later on, not too... Well, actually, very, very soon, where they decided not to go for the sort of practical effects and and to go for a puppet, and they went for computer animation, and it's really jarring and awkward. Whereas this is just... It just fits perfectly. It goes goes very nicely with the horseman scene earlier when the town elders are telling the story, Mm -hmm. and because the cardinal is also linked to Crane's past, So if crane is another bird like a cardinal Oh yes It's literally out of his flashbacks and his memories as well Which is slightly theatrical It's all of a piece, it's very nice
0: Well again there's um, things to do with the fireplace As well, he has strong memories of the fireplace Mm. That we find later And Katrina Has the archer that she remembers in the fireplace Of Mm. her childhood home Carved into the back It's quite interesting And then fire appears again and again Yeah I still don't think that's justification for the random windmill scene, but...
1: No. Fine. No.
0: (laughs) So, I was going to say as well, some of the aesthetic is very The Favourite, which you haven't seen, but is wonderful. I recommend it to everybody. I really enjoyed it, but also it is deeply depressing, so enjoy. (laughs) We have the Scarecrow, which looks like Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas, but is actually the same Scarecrow that swings aside in the opening credits of Nightmare Before Christmas at the very beginning of This is Halloween in the opening credits Very nice So it's where we open into the nightmare, if you like of Sleepy Hollow proper without people chucking pumpkins at you This is the real deal And I've put here in my notes I love how the genuine fear sells it and when everything else is camp the horseman riding at such speed And being that brutal is actually genuinely a bit disconcerting. It's It's a bit frightening. It's a really
1: nice sequence. One of the things I feel like is this film does set pieces Mm. extremely well for all of its other faults, which which will begin to multiply from this point on. (laughs) Sadly. Sadly. But the magistrate's fear is really well done. And it's it's sort of, I've said hammy, hammy's not quite the right word, but it is ripe. It is quite camp. But it's just sold everything is heightened
0: well that's what i mean about it being campus christmas until people show real fear and because they've picked actors that can really act you've got the comedic shakespearean style jolly jake business Mm -hmm. and then as soon as there's an actual threat you've got real screams like it's really horrible and the horseman ray park being incredibly good and tim burton casting him as what do you say was darth maul he's darth maul in, he's a um, few other bits and pieces and though yes. wasn't he we were looking at his list of things and he's quite an incredible sort of body actor where he doesn't get to say much but he does get to do everything yeah you know? and, and, because
1: it's the thing even if given that darth, darth maul is incredibly famous i mean that star wars movie was really rather big but he was voiced <laughs> by somebody else yeah. and even if it wasn't it was also under a lot of Red and black makeup, you know, you never swim. When here, he has to ride around headless the entire time because whenever he has a head, he's played by Christopher Walken.
0: Yeah, he's in all sorts of things. That guy, by the way, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what he actually looked like. No, you know, and I think that's amazing as well. Lots of things like X Men and Star Wars, different roles in Star Wars, just dotted around the place. And Tim Burton cast him because he said it's a difficult role to be able to act without a head
1: yeah he does really well yeah. actually <laughs> the thing is it's weird he does so well you don't really notice that he doesn't have a head I know that sounds stupid
0: well I found it interesting <laughs> that you don't really notice it's not Christopher Walken
1: yeah yeah. as point. in I
0: also feel like he's acting like Christopher Walken acting like the Headless Horseman which yeah. is another layer of mad
1: yeah and, and again like both of these men are also playing let's not forget a sort of homicidal, (laughs) headless, dead guy who just lives for decapitation. You know, it's not a lot for an actor to get their teeth into, pun not intended. (laughs) But they both do it very, very well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Another flashback here for Ichabod.
1: Yeah, my note on this is just weird, sexy mummy flashbacks are weird.
0: (laughs) That's nice. I went for... Actually, this flashback is the full aesthetic of my future wedding, but without the fire bit. And then I put so much mum cleavage.
1: We're on we're on a level. I also wanted to ask you about the sigils that she draws here and that Katrina draws in the fireplace earlier. Is there anything... I meant to look them up. Right. I just thought maybe, with you know, given your expertise...
0: To be honest, my ding dong bells didn't go off for them being very real and to mm-hmm. be fair they are just drawing circles and dots and I will say circle and dot is an interesting one It's uh, it appears in Neolithic carvings and in standing stones and in caves it also appears on the thing they call the cone of power but I think it's actually just a big hat do you know about this? No it's a very large gold hat that was found in the UK I believe that has ring and dot all around it in different formations and they think it might be a way of recording the path of the sun. Ah. And it's in a big cone shape. It's quite interesting. Oh, that's
1: interesting. Yeah, Yeah, but
0: aside from that, usually ring and dot is seen as sun and just ring is seen as moon. And there's all these, you know, I mean, I think partly what they draw might actually be clouds. You know, it's not very... Sure. The big one, the big protective symbol on the floor has a lot, of things in it mm-hmm. that are genuinely used right but the ones in the sand maybe I just can't make them out the ones in the ashes they're
1: very quick I, it's just
0: yeah
1: it seems to be because uh, they said this is the second time that they occur so it seems to be important enough to just what, I just wondered
0: yeah oh yeah witch's cave you notice I've skipped over the young boy that I hate
1: oh yes of course he acquires a helper who is the son of the dead watchman
0: yes Young Masbeth.
1: Masbeth, yes, that was it. wonderful. Because it's name. a good cat name. Yes. It is a good cat name.
0: Young Masbeth is with him for no particular reason other than to wind me up. There um, are too
1: many characters in this film. It's one of the problems that the film has.
0: Yes, that, and it's not a musical. I know how much you yeah. love those. <laughs> but yes, it. He has a terrible accent that was not the same accent as his father. He is very clearly not in any way related to his dead father. <laughs> Yep he <laughs> has no function there that i can see on any level
1: no you know usually you would have like a child sidekick to get
0: to bring children in, the
1: young people in, yes, you know? to bring
0: to give them a child's eye view of what's happening. Yes. Yeah,
1: and there's no wrong with that. But it's this is not that sort of. It's also got how many decapitations did eighteen. you see? Eighteen decapitations and it's,
0: nineteen dead. Yeah, but eighteen decapitations. Of course, yeah,
1: a couple of deaths are off screen, aren't they? Yeah, it, but it's it's not a film for kids. You don't need this <laughs> child identification. For it's really it's it's one of the odd. Choices in the film because again, this is not an artifact character from the story the way Mm-mm. Brom is. Uh, he's entirely created for this motion picture, mm. and to what end, I couldn't tell you.
0: <sighs> well, I'll tell you what it's to use him as a human shield when Ichabod encounters a witch.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: we found the witch's cave, we trot on up to it. I love it. The aesthetic is incredibly beautiful. Oh, it's lovely. I'm sad that she'd killed a cardinal, which is all very symbolic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which is a dead cardinal somewhere in there. And he, yes, Ichabod uses a small child as a human shield <laughs> to speak to the witch. And then when the witch is like, you can go, the kid's like, yes! Yes, I'm away oh. now.
1: Okay, bye. Bye! Oh, thank you. I mean, you know, quite rightly. I suppose it's worth pointing out that this is, pointing up rather, that this is a switch this is a shift in Ichabod's character because the Ichabod that we meet at the beginning mm. at the dance would no more think to consult the witch oh yeah than to consult the auguries in the tea leaves or the yeah or entrails or anything because he didn't believe in this stuff but his time in sleepy hollow has affected him a little bit in some way
0: yes also, I mean, if you get something that keeps coming out of the woods and there's one person that lives in the woods, maybe ask them. Sure. So I, I see the logic. Yeah, yeah. But here she is looking like something out of a mixture between the labyrinth and the Robin Hood with Kevin Costner in it.
1: Yes. You yeah.
0: know, being yeah. very much cloaked and sque- screechy. She kills a bat, which I'm not okay with. I know it's not real, but I don't care. But I did put she's such a Victorian terror witch. You know, she's doing the seance and actually the pre-Victorian seance mm. Business of being a horror in a really nice way until they ruin it.
1: Yeah. First half is really nice. They say that the design of yeah. the cave is great. It's Miranda Richardson under there, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Doing doing great work. But then
0: Then we get the Beetlejuice,
1: but not as good. Eyes pop out eyes all pop with out. weird late nineties CGI.
0: My note on it was dodgy. Dated CGI, but the only bit in the film so forgivable.
1: Yeah, no, it's fair. It's just it just makes it even more yeah. perplexing that it's there at all. I don't know why they, it's CGI. is not. I mean, not bad for 1999. It isn't that it's so no, poorly it just done. No, it doesn't fit it's with, just Exactly. It
0: needed to be a practical effect, yeah. and if you can manage to use a practical effect in the way that they do later to make a horse gallop out of the ground,
1: oh, that looks fantastic. I
0: think you can manage to make a scary
1: face. I'm thinking about. We did The Fly a few weeks ago. We did. And there were a few uh, scenes in that that were cut because they just couldn't make the effects work properly because it was the mid 80s yes. and they didn't have computer effects. It was all practical. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of times they would say to the effects team,
0: Can you do that one? You
1: make this. Yeah. And they did the best and they filmed it. And then Cronenberg would look at it and say, No, it doesn't work. So they yep. cut it and they move on. And if, you, if you're not able to make something that looks right with practical effects, You can just have Johnny Depp's frightened face and some sound design. Yeah. Put some lights on his face. It'll work. Yeah. In fact, we know it'll work because it works for the death of the watchman Mas... Maslin? Masbeth? Masbeth. Are you talking about Elder Masbeth? Yes. Yes. You know, there we just get his reaction shots to the terror thing and it works. I understand you don't want to do that too many times, but there's so many things that you can do that aren't like a weird Looney Tunes eye popping evil witch thing. Uh-huh. And it's. It's the. Yeah, it's the major misstep of the. I don't mean to be so down on it, but it's the major misstep of the film for me where it really doesn't work.
0: Do you know what would vastly improve my life?
1: A big pile of money?
0: Yes. Do you know what I would spend some of that money on?
1: What would you spend some of that money on?
0: Christina Ricci's cape in this next scene. <laughs> oh my god. It's. Just beyond stunning. It's such a lovely object. It's incredibly beautifully made. It's very clearly handmade. It's very clearly a couture piece of art. (laughs) And she's just riding a horse in it. Yeah. I would happily chuck her off that horse and steal it from her. (laughs) The Tree of the Dead is such goth goals. Isn't it though? It bleeds. They go and hack away at the Tree of the Dead. Oh, We did skip over earlier you not really liking the autopsy. That's right. There is an autopsy scene of the first female victim.
1: The widow Winship.
0: Yes, who is pregnant at the time, and so they decapitate the... Fetus, I assume, is what's happening. Certainly,
1: that's the implication. There's, yes. a, there's a stomach wound or a abdomen wound.
0: Yes, and they say we are dealing with a maniac, <laughs> which yeah. is quite good. We're dealing there's, with a madman.
1: There's some nice bits of comedy with the doctor when he brings the body in, and they say, "I need to operate," and the doctor says, "Oh, he's she's she's, dead. She's dead." You know, because all the corpses are, are headless; so they don't have yes. their heads. So, but
0: Ben didn't really like the coming out. I loved it coming out covered in blood. It's dumb because nobody bleeds after at that point as well. You're no, not... well the
1: thing is, yeah, we n- there's nobody bleeds at all in this film, hardly at all. No, you know, there's a
0: pop from the tree.
1: Yeah, didn't mind that at all. I think that works it's really amazing. well. It's it's macabre and horrible, but it yeah. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel tonally wrong. Whereas that, the the being absolutely because he really is like plastered, like he's been hosed down, like head to toe, mm. his, his apron is covered. Just felt just a little bit off to me i don't mean to it's not that i was like offended or upset it just it just struck a slightly wrong note for me and and well, it was notable i say that i feel like the witch is a is a real like clunk yes but that was just just like just slightly off like a, a cracked bell or something you know mm. and it's only notable because up until that point and for most of the rest of it it really hits everything very well you know like tonally large chunks of it are really like perfect you Mm -hmm. know there's very little so it means that when there is something that's just slightly off it's more noticeable for me anyway fair enough Mm.
0: i only say so because he now gets absolutely covered in it and when you think that all of it is orange and we're being deceived it's a really strange thing but uh, he's attacking the tree for some particular reason and making it bleed at the roots and i put symbolic question mark of what? Is this blood ties? Is this what we're seeing? Is it family? Well, is this, is this one an entire that film? It's through it, isn't it? Because mm. everybody
1: is, uh, I think by this point he's already said, you know, nobody told me that
0: But these Lando's two... character yes.
1: was, was, everybody was, everybody's related to the... Yeah, the Van, Van Garretts and the... Thank you, yes, the Van Garretts and...
0: Masbeth and all these people, they're all related and, and what's
1: Van her name? Van the Van Tassel family is the other one
0: Katrina is quick to say, that's we we wouldn't mention it because it's common knowledge that basically we're all inbred in some way or another. We're all connected in some way. We've all married. We're a small group mm. and we've all been around each other and no one else. So of course there's going to be ties all the way through it, but also his other storyline is all about his family and his blood and where he comes from. So it's a very, did we accidentally stumble across a very, uh, they F you up your mum and dad. Ah. Um, uh-huh.
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, allegory. Would this, uh, this be the verse allegory? Mm. Yeah, potentially, absolutely. It's uh, much like the earlier bit with the nature of optics and the spinning card mm. and about it being about... The story of the, as you say, the story of the horseman, but also being about cinema. This is a nice thing that works on several levels and is also a really nice little macabre practical effect. Yeah. Of the, you know, where it's horrible, where he's hacking through this tree that bleeds, and it's the hacking through as well, right? He's 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 hacking through, so that recalls the beheading. Yeah. But he's also his investigation is quite violent and is bringing up some things, and it's yeah, a, a nice multi-level metaphor
0: the rushing forward of the heads is my main horror memory of this whole film and it's the one that really stuck with me from being a teen and watching it i definitely watched it in my 20s you know enough but that particular all of the heads just moving is just really Mm. nice they're clearly dead they're clearly an object now you know they're not alive but it's still sinister yeah the sword is still planted by the tree as well which is really fit uh, it's a very gorgeous practical effect beautifully untouched by crap cgi i've written the horseman gallops out of the tree and it's so lovely like That's it's really like nice. he's, like the horse is just scraping his way out from under the earth well from hell I suppose. yeah
1: there's a real physicality to it on as we see it on the screen yeah
0: yeah we're flashed to someone that we've only met briefly and again you're dead right too many characters we don't really know but this is the midwife of the village Mm -hmm. and her husband and child they tried to cut this scene in post-production and a couple of the assistant directors and tim burton were like they had this discussion or this rhetoric around how it was often disappointing to them that children in films if you had a child in a film or if something was aimed at children it wouldn't get the storylines or the the things happen in it that were realistic it, it okay. took away from an element of it to say oh let's soften this bit because there's a child in it we'll just cut away or something you know sure. but they kept it in with it in mind of like it's always disappointing to step out of the yeah the the likelihood moment rather right. than the realism you know yeah the actual likelihood of a vicious undead <laughs> killer yeah being like nah i'll let the kid live like no he
1: has a job i can see that but also they are a bit coy about it right we you know we don't i'm not sure that they are well just that they do cut away
0: to a point but it's still quite it's still more than say a Spielberg would do, it's more Certainly. than anybody else would do yeah. in a 15 in that scenario Yeah. they don't, obviously they don't hack a child apart, but they have him oh, face I mean, the eyes of his dead mother yes,
1: yeah, through the so through the <laughs> no, and and they, they have set it up that like he's going to get away with it, that exactly as, as you say as yes. you might expect that the child survives and I then skip... the horseman comes back
0: exactly, I skip forward just a little touch that incredibly relaxing lamp that she puts on for her child. I actually quite like their little relationship. They have quite a sweet romance, the husband and wife.
1: Yeah, it's a nice...
0: It's a nice setup.
1: uh, Sketched in very little as well, but Mm -hmm. you you do get a feel for their life,
0: which is nice. And I was like, such a healing and relaxing lamp, no nightmares here. (laughs) Incredibly well lit, this whole scene, next-level lighting, the eyes through the floorboard. Mm. The mother's very brave. She doesn't try and run. She just kind of stands... Yeah, and then does a little noise, and then is immediately dead. Obviously, the dad immediately tries to fight before that, but fails.
1: Well, has a good, has a good shot at it. Right? Oh yeah, but there's, it's, a, there's it's, a fair amount of fighting in this scene, which I think is also, given that we've seen the false horseman earlier. Yeah, I feel like this just sort of serves to really underline the supernatural nature of of this horseman. Yeah, he also
0: just grabs the kid out from under the floorboards. I don't think that's tame. Like he just lifts him up like he's nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene is a bag that's not big enough for a boy. Yeah. It's only big enough for a, three heads. Headed. Yeah, three mm. heads,
1: yeah. Well, you have talking about the lighting. I suppose this is a, a tribute to the skill of the cinematographer right? this. And as you said, all of the blood being orange, which is such a fascinating thing. And yeah. it's the skill of lighting a scene for a heavy filter yeah. and knowing how it will turn out. You know, yeah. having the confidence having- to
0: that has the witches projected onto everybody that's upstairs, you know, everybody that's above the floorboards enough that, you know, she's sort of having, it's a bit like this is happening to them in hell. Mm. It really feels like, oh, that's horrible. And then we have this bit, I've just put, lol, will you just let him go? Because obviously Brom, it is Mm -hmm. Brom, isn't it? Yes. Brom is trying to fight this undead guy who's coming away with a bag full of heads. Mm Mm-hmm. He picks a couple of hand sides. Of course, Ichabod has to come in with an actual scythe that he finds and is unwieldy. And it's meant to be a symbol of death, but he can't put it in one direction for long enough to do anything with it. You know, it's all very goth. Yeah, it's a very goth fight. And poor Brom won't leave it alone. He really wants to be the hero and ends up being axed in half. Mm-hmm. but it's quite nicely done and again imagine being able to act that way like you don't really care about these people and you're not there to kill them but you don't get any lines and you don't have a head yeah
1: yeah absolutely because it is clear ichabod works out that the horseman is waiting to a plan yes yeah but as you say it's so well done it's clear that that is what's going on he works it out Brom doesn't. Brom's a little bit more hot-headed, I Mm -hmm. suppose.
0: As I said, impulsive and quick to temper. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but then of course you know, dispensed with because the the film didn't. We didn't need this character either. He doesn't really add anything. No. Yeah.
0: What did I want to say there?
1: But a really well done fight scene.
0: Um, Yeah, like all of the
1: like all of the set pieces.
0: So this is the first time that we have a headless horseman that is not. Portrayed by having the cloak pulled up and the <laughs> actor beneath it, and all the adjusting the proportions to fit. You know, mm-hmm. you don't get that. This is the actor is wearing a blue mask and it's chroma keyed afterwards, but it's yeah. the first time it appears in cinema
1: well, in that way, thanks. which
0: is kind of amazing. So they're working with a brand new thing, and then they added the collar to sort of like the back of the collar is the bit that's added. Yeah. As well. Okay. As the scenery behind it, but the back of the collar means there's a nice line for it to follow. I also wonder if that's why later there was a scene where they were supposed to set the horseman on fire, which was mm-hmm. in the windmill. Yeah. He was supposed to be lit up, but they sense. couldn't do it. And actually, I think that's probably because how do you not light the mask?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> and because there is a head there. Mm
0: hmm. You would y- have to. You'd have to, cr- you'd have to map look. flame yeah. behind the head that wasn't there, but was. It would be impossible.
1: Yeah, because it will also distort the flames that are. Because nobody's they would head chop is off. Yeah, exactly yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Plus, also, that sounds kind of dangerous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess, but they did actually. I'll talk. I'll talk about the windmill, but they did put the actors in actual danger.
1: Right. So oh, I don't think great. that would have mattered. Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It's a really amazing effect with the lightning flashing and him being axed in half. Yeah. It's really beautifully done.
1: It's effective. It looks... I it sounds weird to say it looks painful. But it, yeah,
0: but it's because it has the right weight to it. It's yes. not just a floating body sort of drifting in half. It really is nasty yeah and i think because it's shot so far away you can get away with a certain level of cgi that they could do in 1999 yeah without it looking like the googly-eyed monster from the cave.
1: you know i'm sure there's more cg than just the googly-eyed monster but when it's done nicely you don't notice it
0: well yeah there's cg every time the the horseman of course that's an so. excellent example <laughs> yeah
1: yeah they didn't really cut the head off the actor
0: no although i mean yeah it blows my mind so crow foot cutting was gross i've put oh yeah and then oh that's alfred because that's me realizing it's michael goff is alfred yeah. there's a sherlock slash poirot style reveal moment here
1: oh is this where we find the will it is at, at, at michael goff's gaff
0: it is and michael goff being incredibly good at acting in this one scene ever <laughs> not that he's bad no he can do it he's just he's he's
1: often in things like horror hospital or (laughs) i think it's conga the early 60s british king kong (gasps) ripoff
0: what a terrible idea by someone yeah
1: you know he's often not called upon to give his best put it that way
0: true so alfred is saying you know are you basically lie 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 and then Ichabod says truth and he's like oh no truth and he <laughs> shields himself from the truth and the truth is essentially what
1: well it's a very human earthly conspiracy among the elders of the town mm. to do with the will of the late mr van garrett connected to the pregnancy of the widow winship mm-hmm. um and the right of of succession right or of his mm. Um, His heir. His heir, exactly. And you follow the money. That's fair, isn't
0: it? He's ashamed, though, which is nice. He's remorseful, but he's also just a big old coward. So we have Katrina is in Ichabod's room. Yep. Alone, unchaperoned he says what are you doing with my personal things basically and she's like was it wicked of me and i'm like hot immediately <laughs> and then i have to question my choices No, oh dear was it wicked of me no but i can teach you how to be wicked if you'd like he says to her can you not and he locks his papers in a drawer and says this is dumb get out i'm investigating your dad get out
1: well before he locks them in we do get that beautiful shot of some of his private papers where he's just written I suspect <laughs> Mr Van Tassel I um, love that <laughs> so much letters. just
0: the only thing on the page yeah. it's such a nice little novelty moment where she's like I I imagine if my dad read these he'd be pretty angry yeah. so she leaves looking enigmatic and watching where he puts the key and things, mm-hmm. not very subtly and then that pointless child character Yep. Yeah. spots that there's chalk drawings under the bed and they remove the... Be- oh, sorry, there's a spider on the floor.
1: Oh, yes, you had something about the spider. I do spider. have something
0: about the spider. So there's a nasty big spider on the floor. It's quite beautiful, actually. It's quite a fat boy. It's nice. Mm. It's a cute. It's a hairy, cute spider, but it's, it's very big, so arachnophobes beware. And it crawls under the bed, and Johnny Depp's up somewhere high, trying to get young Masbeth to rid the room of the spider. Yeah, it,
1: it does make sense that Ichabod Crane would, would be an arachnophobe definitely, as well. Definitely,
0: definitely. Also, <laughs> kill it. No, stun it is is amazing. Why would one be better than the other? Who knows? Anyway.
1: We haven't talked a lot about the comedy in this one, but there's quite a lot of quite successful yeah. comedic beats like that that don't generally tend to undermine the...
0: The action. The action and no. the,
1: the, the, the atmosphere and the fright. It's, yeah, There's nice. one
0: point where they try and do that and it, it should have been removed and it wasn't in the script, and I think it spoils a lot of the ending.
1: Yeah, well, but, it's a, the closer you get to the end, the more the, the fox accumulates. It
0: There's a big uh, pink chalk symbol under the bed, and the idiot child says, Oh, it's the evil eye, in some accent. <laughs> But the spiders crawled onto it and looks pretty happy there. And it turns out that for some reason at the time of filming, every day there was a bug man there. (laughs) So on the one hand, they built this set in that place.
1: It's Shepparton, I think.
0: Shepparton Studios, you're dead right, in London. And because they built essentially a forest, it started to attract actual wildlife so it was full of real birds and real bugs.
1: A lot Which, of the time yeah, I can, they were filming. You can see it outside. It's yeah. A,
0: yeah. And the bird noises you hear throughout the film are actually the bird noises of the <laughs> birds that the,
1: just the native fauna yeah. took
0: took a house in the in the trees somehow. So they were constantly surrounded by animals, and no one was really sure where they would come from. But this bug man that was there, they were just like, well, "We've always got these bugs here." Let's just use the bugs. And I can't imagine why you would have Bugman there every day.
1: No, it's a fairly big production, you know, obviously big money and yeah. big stars and everything, but not, I, I, I can't see any kind of
0: no, system that it, makes sense it, just
1: because, yeah. well, i better just hire a Bugman. <laughs> I suppose it's Tim Burton, maybe somebody. Maybe got, it was just know. his pal. Maybe yeah. he
0: was like, I need Steve here. He's a Bugman. And they're like, okay. Yeah,
1: the Bugman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those quotes that it's very interesting, but it does in some ways bring yeah. up more questions than it answers. And yeah. and I'm sorry, faithful listener, we don't have the answers to this. No, it was just a bugman there. The bugman.
0: Why is Ichabod Crane in the woods to watch Miranda Richardson have sex and knife her own hand?
1: I don't know. Yeah, it is strange.
0: It doesn't matter anyway. They're they're fanning about and banging in the forest and Ichabod sees her slice a big hole in her hand and then rub it down her lover's back.
1: Yes, I mean, yeah, the the reason that he's there to see it is to advance the plot, sadly.
0: (laughs) Yes, but then the next day we have her sort of confront him in the kitchen, confronting Ichabod in the kitchen, being like, you haven't asked me how I did my hand in. Yeah. Which is rude.
1: And he goes all very, you. Of, me, very you, very you, me.
0: And she's like, "I know you saw me. You have to promise me not to tell my husband." Whisper, whisper. Husband comes through, bumbling. Mm-hmm. I, it's all. It's it's an interesting thing. I I know why it's there, but here's the kicker. She says to her husband. I'm going to go and collect arrowroot flowers to deal with this wound. When oh, he yeah. sees the wound, she unwraps it to show Ichabod and be like, mm-hmm. I've got a scar. But the husband sees it and she says, oh, I was just careless with a knife. Yes. <laughs> you know, Which
1: is uh, not a lie.
0: No, I guess. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, she could have been more careful.
1: But she's not really. She turns up at the beginning, but she's not really in the film up till now. Partly no. because there's so many other characters <laughs> yeah. running around and doing. It's true
0: stuff. they do talk about her a lot. Yes, but that's she's true. Not actually she's she's in a it.
1: presence, but yeah.
0: They talk about wild arrowroot flowers. Well, it turns out wild arrowroot. root yeah. is, is nothing to do with that. Wild arrowroot is for irritable bowel syndrome, diarrhea. Intestinal disorders, painful gums, stomach pain.
1: Oh, yeah, I knew it. I knew it as a stomach.
0: Which I think is meant to be that he's thing. completely clueless.
1: Yeah. Also, of course, she knows where the wild area is, because she's a witch. She's a big old witch.
0: Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So he would be completely clueless about her practices. Yes. He, she'll and just she's say basically that. like, I just need to go and find the. I don't know magical circle of mystery mushrooms and he'll be like, yes dear, Yes, and yeah. she can carry on with her daily life.
1: But also I guess for someone who's clued in it's like saying, you know, I've got a terrible headaches so I'm going to take some Pepto-Bismol and she go, and then you go, oh yeah, yeah, okay, fine, Yeah, exactly. Because
0: We then flash to her picking arrow route, out mm-hmm. with her husband before the meeting.
1: Yeah. Oh the... yes, the, the town of having a big meeting in the church.
0: And also like a kind of protection gambit. So sure. get everybody in there like they would with the plague. Yeah. And Hopefully, get protection either from God or from their superiors, but having them all in the church makes sense. Yeah,
1: also, it's often a very substantial building.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It can hold the village uh, tactic as well, right?
0: Yes, exactly. And she's there picking arrow route. The horseman appears behind her, and her husband is there with her. And then suddenly, we're at the church, aren't we? Yes. And he's looking very concerned.
1: Well, he reports that the horseman's killed, killed his her. Wife. Yeah. yeah. So This is another big set piece. And as such, it's extremely well done, this church.
0: I love this whole page. scene. I think it's my favourite. I think yeah. it's my favourite scene in the film. Everybody is acting on point. It feels like everyone's trying to impress each other with their <laughs> acting abilities here, including the horse.
1: Uh, <laughs> there is a thing that happens sometimes when you get when you get a bunch of good actors together. They seem to raise each other's game. Of
0: course they do. Like if you can just about manage to make James Corden an actor, <laughs> when you're a good actor pitched against him, imagine if two good actors are just like, "Hey, we've got this." You know, yeah. that's the sound of my hand rubbing together. You know, we, we we're good at this. This is what we do, and they'll have fun with it as well, which is what it feels like in this scene mm. too. But we're in the church. The horseman is kind of outside. Yes. He throws an axe and the axe disappears and it's a really beautiful effect. I think yeah. that really works. Again, well, again it's CGI, CG, but,
1: but it, exactly. yeah. it doesn't look out of place.
0: Again, it's probably because it's a solid object that exists rather than a made-up object that doesn't work. Yeah. But it fades away because it's hallowed ground in the church and he's not allowed to pass the gate. The horsework here is so incredible. They've actually managed to make the horse look like he's hitting a force field mm-hmm. without harming the horse or it's just in the dancing. It's so good and it looks so for flipping restless and like hellish and beautiful. Trotting about. We have Christina Ricci's Scream, which is next level when her father's killed yeah it's next level good because it's not the wilhelm kind of ridiculous horror scream it's i've just watched my dad get beheaded scream
1: there's real emotion here yeah. like in this uh, scene which sort of offs most of the remaining <laughs> yeah. characters right uh, but and again but because you've got michael gambon here
0: oh he's so good
1: give him real Christina Ricci too right the two of them together I'm not not, you know I I realize I'm concentrating on the old English character actors but
0: no Michael Gambon accidentally shooting someone he let his gun goes off in his hand it all happens so quickly Mm -hmm. someone lunges towards him he shoots the gun he looks horrified that he's done it yeah and then within seconds He's been dragged back and yeah, out. Yeah,
1: he's, he's harpooned basically because the horseman can't get in. Yeah. Goes through the window. And it's, it's a really tense scene. With mm. the, and it feels like it has real emotional heft and consequence. And it is down to the cast mm-hmm. and the way they sell it. Mm. And nothing but praise for this. This, and I put this the, sequence.
0: The death tracking shot is amazing where it's everybody on the floor. Yeah. And it shoots them from above. So it goes from the pulpit all the way do- oh my god so pretty yeah.
1: and, and so um, many dead and yeah and Katri- Katrina's done a a circle of protection mm-hmm.
0: yeah. we don't know that well, yet well no
1: sorry she's done another she's done another sigil
0: yeah oh poor Echabard wrote Katrina's name in his diary like a teenager
1: yeah but that's the only page we see which is my note on this is a suggestion that instead of like writing down all of his deductions (laughs) he was just doodling like Mrs Katrina Crane and drawing hearts and flowers (laughs) all the day instead of well everyone thought he was writing down his clever (laughs) clever thoughts yeah that's
0: a good idea he leaves he burns everything apart from the book that she gave him yeah which was her mother's More mother stuff. And she looks at him like a ghost at the window. She was unconscious, but she sort of comes back to watch him leave. I love the detective work. The sudden sort of looking in the book, the sort of working it all out. Yeah, because he has gone
1: very much native, you know. He's sort of, for a while, these Mm. detective ideas of his seem to be in abeyance, but here they come back, which is nice.
0: Yeah, and also, you know, working out that there was no coagulation of blood on the victim.
1: Yes, because we see a headless body with the hand wound mm. of Lady Van Tassel and uh, yeah, yeah, there, it's one of the deaths which is off screen, right? We never mm. see her be beheaded, but that's alright. We accept it because we see the body, but yeah.
0: And then I've put uh that dress it's like a spider web in reverse which <laughs> I assume is Lady Van Tassel. Yeah. It's so good. The horseman's cape is really looks like it's been buried for 20 years as well. Like everybody's on point with His, the costume. In. I haven't
1: mentioned the horseman costume but mm. it's it's fantastic. Yeah. It's it's threatening it's I I've no idea what like the correct outfit for a <laughs> Hessian soldier would be. No doesn't matter. It looks perfect. <laughs>
0: well, it also looks like the fabric used in two things. One, Muppet Christmas Carol again. I'm sure. telling you, like the one that is the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Oh, yeah. Has that cowl.
1: Right. Yes, of course.
0: And two, like Death in... We did it. We covered it. Phantom Carriage.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Really similar. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> the Archer in the Fire and of course she's the sister that watched yeah so she is archer her name is archer and then i put lol landlord hate from ben landlord hate yeah you from hate ben. landlords
1: i and do this hate is landlords. Is just confirming it this yeah. is nice landlord oh, yes, hate for you yeah, yeah yeah also the the fact that it's the wicked stepmother is um yeah. is pat but also it's entirely fitting for yes. the uh, thing for me that the stepmother has to explain the entire plot is it. something of a weakness. And part of the problem is, of course, as I said, she's not really in the film very no. much before this. And ideally for this to be narratively satisfying, mm-hmm. some of these elements ought to be set up a little bit more beforehand.
0: Totally. Yeah, I'm with you.
1: And I know there are some thematic resonances with all of the flashbacks of Crane's mother. Yeah. There are the odd shot and idea that come through. But that is another plot that doesn't really go anywhere that doesn't pay off in a satisfactory way no. for me the the mother the weird sexy mother flashbacks
0: what a goose <laughs> says miranda richardson and she's right <laughs> what a goose the horseman comes and tonight he comes for you
1: i mean she's great yeah again she's another wonderful actor which doing her best but it's a structural problem <laughs> and i um, said
0: how did they get the windmill t- tech to look like tim burton made it and it's because tim burton made all of it
1: so. <laughs> sometimes the, the, the obvious answer is the, is the answer right or yeah. the simple answer yeah
0: If anybody listening also listens to my favorite murder you will know exactly how flammable flour is
1: oh. it truly is I mean I knew it was because it's, yes. it's very very fine particles right yes. So there's just lots and lots of oxygen and apparently
0: yeah. countless deaths caused by dust fires specifically wow. in America and particularly flower fires and flower explosions in this time period. So it makes sense Ooh. in a way, but it has no purpose being in the film. I would suggest that it's because they were building up to a beautiful moment where they set the horseman on fire okay,
1: and then they couldn't makes do sense. it. Because my note on it is at the end of Frankenstein, the James Whale 1931 film.
0: He also cites that. conflagration
1: in a windmill. Yes. And so it's obviously there for that reason, but it doesn't seem to serve any actual narrative purpose in the film because they say at the end, is he dead? And they say, well, there's a problem he was already dead. There's, there doesn't seem to be any indication that they expect this to work Mm. that the characters think that this will stop the horsemen at all. It looks incredible. It looks fantastic I can see as they were going to set him on fire that would look cool.
0: Yeah as I say I think I mentioned didn't I, it's the 60 foot windmill that they built on the grounds. It's the one the third of the size of that to get the forced perspective so that you can have all sorts, but the actors were actually in danger. They were having wood explode at them they are actually in there. It's a proper. That's
1: why it looks so good. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: why. It, that's why everybody's moving quite fast yes, as well. Yeah. To get out of there, I don't know how you do that with the blue mask on because he won't have eye holes. But okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Well, well, well good, nice editing, I suppose. But the thing is, another reason why I say that this, although the windmill scene is beautiful, it does no serves no purpose is because mm-hmm. then we get this lengthy carriage chase and fight scene. We do. Which looks great. It's fantastically well shot.
0: It's amazing. Johnny Depp did all his own stunts for these scenes where he's being dragged under a carriage. The quote was something along the lines of Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Johnny Depp was being dragged around under a
1: wow <laughs> under the
0: carriage uh, all for hours and hours on end, and much to the joy of Tim Burton, apparently. So yeah. that's good. He said he was just covered in leaves, which made me laugh.
1: Yeah, but, but they've they've shot it well, right? And you have plenty of shots of what is obviously Johnny Depp very close up to his face while he is being dragged behind a carriage right and yeah. it, it looks great and I suppose it's the way amazing. you do that is you actually just drag him behind a carriage for hours and hours, and hours. <laughs> yeah
0: I would say the rider the the horseman is ghastly here like truly in that in the meaning of that word mm. it's a real ghoulish nasty chase that's really beautifully done and yeah. it feels gothic just it feels sure. very deeply gothic I will say for me the things that make it have less structural integrity by this point in the film is that this is the second between the leg joke in yeah. one film we had the one where the head rolled towards johnny depp and landed at his crotch looking like he's giving him head yeah which was strange was strange <laughs> and then we also have the sword just just missing his privates yeah again though i don't mean to take it too far into metaphor because i know it's all a bit of fun and we're meant to be like lololol lol, but are we looking at family again?
1: Oh, yeah. Potentially.
0: Trying to cut the lineage. Yeah. Trying to cut the line.
1: But you've also got the thing, I'm looking at the box, the DVD box here, right in there, and the tagline is Heads Will Roll, which is, That's you know, true, they did. It's a, it's a, Yeah, but it's it's also like a joke, right? Yeah. True. You know, it's, it's, yeah. And most of the time they, they handle this very, very well, but I suppose it's just the odd one that is a little bit like, oh, Let's say for me, that 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 moment is the post autopsy sort of bloodbath yeah. thing, but your mileage may vary, and it is a very personal kind yeah. of thing i I get
0: the grey horse that Miranda Richardson arrives on is absolutely heavenly. I think it might be a very skinny Welsh mountain pony, but it is beautiful anyway. <clears throat> <clears throat> they return the head eventually. Yep. the horseman grabs Miranda Richardson by the hair. It's just a really horrible grabbing. It's quite amazing. And then CGI is an odd choice here, but it, that CGI hasn't aged horrendously. No. It worked. It works. Small Beetlejuice nod again to just as she wakes up. There's just some oh. bulging of eyes or something, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And her scream is so flawless. Like she's waking up just to the worst morning. And she's yeah. like, oh, I didn't. I wish I hadn't. Woken up and I put, "Mm, cornstarch because of their kiss.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. You you said that this was uh, Christopher Walken credited it as his first screen kiss. Yeah, and it wasn't. No, but But it's a great great. story, though, isn't it?
0: Exactly. Back to what Ichabod
1: says about reality and appearance.
0: It's true. It's true and it sort of has that vibe of uh, reported accounts of witchcraft at the time where they are like i saw her kiss the devil before yeah, he took her into hell and absolutely. all of this this stuff i do love the into hell blood splatter as yeah, well
1: yeah it's again much like his coming out of the tree is really well done going you know coming in is going beautiful. in is really yeah. yeah
0: the it leaves a witch's finger which is quite nice we played a mm. game at school because there was one tree that had a root that looked like a finger Ah. you had to try and get around the root system of the tree so walk around the base of the tree without touching the witch's finger or you'd be cursed oh wow yeah do you want to know what i did with that please touch the witch's finger enchanted, to freak other kids out until they left me alone and then studied the witch's finger
1: it's very on brand isn't it for you yeah i was thinking about <laughs> do you know the the fungus the dead man's the mushroom yeah, the, yeah they're amazing yeah, yeah we'll put a picture of them on there.
0: that would freak me out even though i know they exist that would yeah, freak me I out to find them in you a see wood. the
1: picture oh yeah creepy creepy yeah
0: and finally
1: such a good such a good amelia anecdote that <laughs>
0: Just gently muttering to myself. Yeah, of course. But knowing I was doing it to frighten children. But also being a child. What a strange life. More fainting, I put. More fainting. But (laughs) we have, for some reason, I do not understand the ending of this film.
1: No, I mean, that should clearly that's the end.
0: That is the end. He faints, you cut away. But instead, and maybe it was just to showcase the Beetlejuice dress. We have...
1: It's a lovely dress. That
0: beautiful pinstripe number Mm. and... Meeting Boston or meeting, sorry, meeting New York. We're
1: in New York again. We're back in New in York. In the snow for which is no like, reason. Again, uh, another going to bring up Crimson Peak again here, right? Oh New, yes, because New York there is this pinnacle of modernity yes. and technology and science and safety and you know in the colours it's all in the Del Toro film. You know, it's all gold. Golds, yeah, and, you know, uh, and it's, it's this pinnacle of science and modernity and stuff. And there, it's in Crimson Peak. It is contrasted with. The north of England, right, Crimson Peak itself, and the yeah. Sort of, yeah. Whereas here, it's it's contrasted with the backwoods of Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. right, in this old Dutch settlement. But yeah, for some reason, our hero and heroine and the like boy manservant yeah. rock up to start their new life in
0: yeah
1: in it's, New York.
0: It's snowing, but nothing's cold. No yeah. one's cold. No, it's incredibly clean for New York even then. Yeah, and. I don't understand it. The only thing that I could think of is that they expected a sequel that didn't happen. Well, I
1: thought that, but then I thought, what would what would the sequel be about? He's run around New York having adventures.
0: Um, hey, it's probably Headless Horseman does New York. You know? Sure, yeah, or he's some... back,
1: and this time he's deader. Yeah, deader, yeah. Or he's he he's got he can now he climbs up walls or something.
0: Don't lose your head in the big city. Yeah, very nice. Thanks. Lovely. Yeah. They can pay me whenever they like. So guess what we did? What did we do? We missed out the same goddamn scene because neither of us had it noted down.
1: We thought, when we got to the end of this, we thought we were missing a scene from the copy. Mm. I got. I bought the DVD for about you know 50p. Um, yeah. And we thought, oh, it's weird, it's been cut. But we went back and we found that it was there. <laughs> We'd both just ignored it.
0: But it is pretty much one of the most titular moments in the entire film and that is the final flashback
1: <laughs> titular as in of the title or as in it's got tits in it
0: <laughs> oh i didn't really mean to say titular but tits There's
1: right. a lot of tits fair enough it is one of the pinnacle it is one of the
0: it's one of the pinnacle moments of the film and certainly one of the most iconic bits and that is the flashback of the beautiful walk through the church which is deeply 60s horror by the way yeah the beautiful walk through the church of Ichabod's dad, Ichabod being played by what I can only describe as a bush baby in a wig. That child <laughs> yeah. has the biggest eyes on yeah, record.
1: Just eyes, eyes and dough.
0: <laughs> and we have flashbacks to her being held in front of the fire before that as well. Yeah. But basically, the the mother is under threat for clearly for witchcraft purposes, and he. As a child enters this room that I think we we all have. Just a room full of Iron Maidens. Sure. And torture devices. But he finds basically that his father has murdered his mother. Hey, guess what? It's all really about family.
1: Yeah.
0: And he sees her eyes through the slot in a similar way to...
1: The the child of the midwife hiding under the floor.
0: yes. And he backs away, and that's how he got his scars on his hands, is that he backs away into another torture device that just pierces his hands. They bleed everywhere. And then when he looks up, the doors of the Iron Maiden have opened yeah. and we get the shining moment of the blood gates.
1: Yeah, blood everywhere. Mm. And, and a mother coming towards the camera, chest first. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it turns <laughs> out it was there. We both just didn't notice it. And... Yeah, for me, this whole, as I've said before, like this whole mother's subplot thing, although it has these resonances and things yeah. that are picked up in there, and there are thematic echoes in the main Yeah, story it's line. supposed to
0: be. Of course he's not going to believe in any of this stuff and be scarred by witchcraft and immediately suspect all of it, because not only was he brought up by the clergy, who he wholeheartedly has rejected as soon as they mention the Bible, he looks perturbed, Yeah, but also his witchy mother was punished horribly in front of him. He... There's no way to win, so he's sure. just no. said
1: goodbye to all of it. And that's fine, except, of course, it turns out that there isn't a rational explanation, and it no. is the horseman back from it, which <laughs> works rather against this. Yeah. But then also, of course, he suffers no ill... Effect. He seems to come round very very quickly, very easily, well, to, um... to the idea of it being witchy... All things considered, considering this backstory that's being
0: yeah, but revealed. him saying there was a horseman, I saw him and being in bed and doing that. Oh yeah, fair thing, enough. Yes. it does melt his mind. No, like... that's
1: true because you had that wonderful scene with uh, Michael Gambon saying like, "Yes, yes, we know. Yes, yeah. we, we all told that's you. That's why you're here. Yeah, we all said. Yeah, we we know this is not news. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, you're right. It just, it's just, it's just messy, isn't it? It just doesn't quite all tie together very so well. So let
0: me tell you something about Johnny Depp. Please. He's never seen this film. Why
1: Why ever not?
0: Because he doesn't like his acting in it. Ah. He doesn't like the way he acts in it, which might be a different statement, actually. But yeah, he never he's never watched it.
1: Weird. He's not bad at all.
0: I do feel like he, bizarrely, is the weaker actor.
1: I said earlier, like, he can really act. Mm. This isn't one of my favourite performances from him. But I don't think he lets the side down.
0: He doesn't let the side down but he is brutally shown up by British actors who can really sell it.
1: I mean yeah he's no Michael Gambon but I mean. Anyway. No but that's what I'm
0: saying he he shows up to me and it, it works in the dynamic because mm-hmm. he's an American you know he's yeah. not but you know but yeah, he's, he's an, an American, outsider to this group exactly and so they've picked this cliquey group of English guys mm-hmm. predominantly and then thrust him in there, and he looks like a kid learning to me in that film, and he's trying to learn from the best, and he's sort of doing a weird impression of them, but I can see why he wouldn't like it as an actor Mm -hmm. to be shown up in that way, even if it's just down to experience
1: and age. Yeah, there's no shame in not being as good as some of those guys. No, exactly. Uh, But he also isn't given much, you think you said earlier, he isn't given much of a character arc, uh, which is weird because he is front and centre, and the hero but there's probably more work done with some of the more background characters, and, and I realise again these are good actors who do a lot with very Nothing. little. Yeah, but the but... the
0: I mean, my favourite character point, my favourite two character points of Ichabod Crane, one of them wasn't deliberate and was a spider that they happened to have on set, yeah, and semi ad libbed with, and the other one was him writing that note in the notebook, which feels again like an aside, yeah. like a kind of Oh, he has got a character, he has got a personality. Yeah. I didn't touch on just to finish up there, I didn't touch on the worst line in the film.
1: Oh it's just I'm glad you brought that up I was going to ask you about it now. Yes,
0: so. which was Mind Your Head in It's in the it's, Windmill. It's in the windmill,
1: yes, yeah. when it's when our heroes run into the windmill.
0: And it was ad lib by Miranda Richardson, but it should have been cut. It's the only time where they try to cross the humour with the intense action and it fell flat on its face. Yeah,
1: they're winking at the audience and you should never do that. No, and
0: I hated it, so the end.
1: <laughs> and she is, she's not overplaying it but, because she's given a really weird role. She turns up at the beginning, doesn't yeah. talk about it and then she turns up at the end and explains the whole plot and does a sort of, I'm evil now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, she chews it a little bit and that's fine <laughs> and again she was everybody is pushing a little bit you know everything mm. is heightened and it mostly works but you're right there that was that was a point where somebody else should have said oh, that was fun but it's Let's not do that. but it's to the detriment of of the film that we're making
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <On> that <laughs> I, don't happy... to, I
1: don't want to finish on a, a okay. like that there's some the the set pieces are all really well done there's mm-hmm. some wonderful character work from some fantastic actors in mm-hmm. here it looks gorgeous ninety five percent of the way through it just doesn't quite cohere for me properly that's all mm, but it's still worth enough. your time if you haven't seen it cool yeah
0: i think that's us for just now thank you so much for tuning in if you want to write to us or you have answers for my questions <laughs> you can do so on social media in any flavor shape or size we have instagram Haunted underscore picture underscore palace. We have email hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com. We have Twitter, which is HPP pod. It is, yep. And I don't know, Acosta's in the street. I think most of our listeners know us. So <laughs>
1: that's not that's, that's not true. But do you uh, know, I think
0: most of our listeners know
1: us? I, I feel like we are international and growing
0: well hey if you across us in the street wear a mask if you've travelled thanks
1: Thank you. The,
0: <laughs> what are we doing next week
1: next week we are doing Topper a,
0: T-O-P-P-E-R
1: indeed as in a hat a 1937 film in which Cary Grant plays a carefree man who becomes a carefree ghost who dedicates his haunting time to seriously annoying a man with a stick up his ass. we go with that yeah. Uh, it. The other thing to mention is that it is on YouTube in full because it Free. doesn't seem,
0: Free. We doesn't love
1: seem it. to be commercially available. Strange. I mean, I say Cary Grant, famous, the big guy, but this is a very low profile one of his films. But it seems to have a higher profile in America. Hmm. An old flatmate of mine from California was a fan of it. Showed it to me, and that's nice. Um, it's 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 just a bit. It's good fun. It's a yeah. bit of good fun. So, join us.
0: Join us then. Don't have nightmares. Oh, bye. 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 <laughs> danger colors. Oh, you know what I mean. No, I do. Yeah. I do. It made me. It made me think of um, the internet calling a snake a danger noodle. <laughs>
1: not without cause.
0: Mm. Sorry, hold on cuz I my notes are really weird here. I think I was probably distracted by the boobs. <laughs>